Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Presses Dave Campbell inside TCO Performance Center. What's up, Dave? How are you? I'm doing great. Nice day out of practice today. Beautiful weather. Elite weather, maybe Elite, PJ Fleck would say. Absolutely. Yeah, you got to build it one brick at a time. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, that was no, that was Jerry Kill. That's not a Fleckism. No, anyway. we, we were. Uh, I don't know. I guess we we could have been out on a lake rowing a boat potentially with the weather being as nice as it is. Right. Maybe you but could tie it in that way. We're in a windowless room. With a couple of microphones talking about an NFL practice that took place in June. You know, we could have done this outside, Dave, if, if you had asked. It'd be uh, it'd be far too windy. We we know that tempting fate. It I have to say, of all the things about the Midwest, is it like is this year unique for the wind? It feels like it's just yeah. windy all the time though. And I like to play golf and I like to play basketball outdoors. And I also just don't like when it's 68, but it feels like it's 48 because yep. the breeze is blowing through your skull. Uh, today was not really that case. It was no. sort of pleasant out there. But uh, wind is maybe the worst thing in the entire world. Wind is picking up. It, it's more than I remember. It's it's a, it's a new thing. I don't know. We'll see if it lasts more than this year. Wind these days, folks. <laughs> <laughs> it's a copycat league, so uh, yeah, we'll, right. see if, we'll see if 2023... Will, Wants to replicate 2022's weather. I wonder what the most windy. This is what you tuned in for. Is the most windy city? Is it? It's, it can't be. It can't be Chicago. That's got to be a myth, right? Right. That, that was because of politics, not because of actual wind. It was. That, yeah. No. No. Seriously. Really? Look it up. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm in the middle of it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Wellington, New Zealand, is the windiest city in the world. Okay. So shout out Wellington, uh, the United States, Oklahoma City. And actually where I came from, Buffalo, New York. But I knew there that. There you go. It's yeah. right next to the Great Lakes. Yeah. On the wrong side of the Great Lakes. And uh, Milwaukee. Sure. Dallas, Texas. Makes sense. Let's see where we rank. Yeah, everyone just wait. Everyone who's listening just wait. I'll figure this out. No, Chicago is in the top 10. Okay, morning. right. But it the, the nickname came from. Actually, we're ahead. We're yeah. ahead. We are in the top. So, Windier than Chicago. Actually, this has, this has uh, let's see, average annual wind speed of the windiest U.S. cities. So Boston is number one, Oklahoma City, Buffalo, Milwaukee, Dallas, Kansas City, San Francisco, naturally, Cleveland, Ohio, Minneapolis, okay. Virginia Beach, because it's next to the ocean, uh, Providence, Rhode Island, Chicago, and Detroit, Michigan. So Makes sense. that's the whole podcast, folks, and uh, we'll talk to you later. No, um, <laughs> okay. So here's what I wanted to ask you, Dave, because I, I said no no show prep here. I didn't invent any yeah, games for clearly you. Clearly not. It's not going to be. Yeah, I know, right? Since I spent <laughs> the whole time looking up wind. Um, but maybe I guess what that says is that your idea that the wind has changed 
is maybe like these NFL coaches being like, yeah, it's a different league now. We uh, run the ball a little less. And like, really, that's been kind of going that way for 20, 30, 40, 50. <laughs> like, yeah. the, the league has been going toward passing always. So maybe that's the same thing with you and wind. But here's what I wanted to ask you. I wanted to know. I wanted to. At what age? No, this is not the question. At what age do you start saying, you know, I don't remember it being that way when I was growing oh, up? Really good question. Uh, 30, maybe? Yeah. I feel like 30s. Mid-30s, yeah. Like, when did I, I start doing that? I, I do say that a fair amount. All the time. I'm now 43, so there's, I'm kind of in that sweet spot of, you know, back when the back in my day kind of recollection of weather sports maybe weather specifically just about anything yeah. yeah uh for sure around 30 where you start to notice sons of players who you watch growing oh. up oh or when you start to make comparisons of players when you're like you know that guy reminds me a lot of Sean Salisbury actually that's where i cut myself off <laughs> i hate those kind of comparisons yes. oftentimes they devolve into like really lazy race based comparisons like you know the white receiver yes. uh but to your to your general point yeah you, you start to the sons of players oof that's that really uh is a, is a humbling moment when you see the you know it feels like just a few years ago when um you know name name the player uh bobby witt yeah oh, yeah know. right yeah I, i'm just trying to Right, here. and then his son, right, his yeah, son, now his son is now a star. Twins. Yeah, exactly. I know. I actually deleted it. I started to write a tweet because I harass intern Paul about this all the time, or professional Paul now, uh, just about like, old old player references. And so when he tweeted about Bobby Witt Jr., I was just like, oh no, I did tweet at him like '95 okay. Marlin. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> like, that was, his dad Paul, was '95 Marlin. Like, you know what? that, Paul? Yeah. <laughs> Were you alive in 95? He wasn't yeah. even close. No, nope, not even, <laughs> uh, not e- what do they say? A glimmer in his parents' eye or something? Uh, wow. That's, yeah, it's gone in a bad way Sobering. to start this. I, I will say it's always uh, a comfort when Tom Brady decides to play again because he remains the only player in the league older than me. Is that true? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so uh, I will later this month be 36. So okay, I'm, so I've got to be running up against you're running up. kickers. Yeah, kickers and, and quarterbacks. Is Phil Dawson still around? <laughs> Jeff Fiegels. Mason Crosby. Is he still playing? As long as Rodgers uh, plays, he gets the kick, right? Crosby's still, yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. He's good. Shout out Mason Crosby yeah. for being older than me in the league. Uh, what I actually wanted to ask about right. is what has interested you about the events of this offseason? Uh, because we were just out of practice and we could talk about some things related tangentially to that. But I mean, OTA practices are a tough watch. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. especially when they know we're there and they go out of their oh, way yeah. not to do anything super fast or right. aggressive. So it's like, well, Adam Thielen caught the ball. I bet he'll do it again. Uh, but uh, I, I want to know from the whole offseason, because we haven't really talked since like the whole thing. Changing oh, yeah. coaches, changing general managers. And your your perspective and and what what is interesting to you? I'd I'd say two things. Uh, the first is sort of the philosophical paper trail behind who they decided to hire in this new new regime. Um, going so hard and heavy on uh, collaboration, relationship building, sort of um, you know not just the analytics with. Quasi obviously bringing with his such unique background, but um, just the the whole 
you don't want to say, I'm not going to say kumbaya so much, but these guys having cut co- covered other teams in this market, it, it's I've and followed all the major sports. You, this is not a new thing, um, but it's relatively new. Um, but certainly the Vikings are not anywhere near the first team to start to realize that there is a formula for winning, doing things in a more is smart a smarter way but I'll, but part of that is is humane it's not just data it's like um building relationships with today's player meaning in your t- 20s uh, the really young millennials are you know basically in that it's starting to become some generation z now too but they want to know why things are done there's just a, a generational expectation of be, uh, having work environments that are, you know, more relaxed, more, um, maybe intentional, um, innovative. There's a lot of different ways you can look at it, but, um, that's what, that's one thing that struck me that the two guys that I hired, it's, there's a lot of overlap now with corporate America, the way that they talk about building a team, about supervising employees, about developing them. And all those things, not just the players. Uh, Quasi talks a lot about, or has at times, about um, wanting to develop the staff under him, like the scouts, and giving them opportunities to do a media interview or uh, some of the things that he was allowed to or, or really pushed in to do in Cleveland a short time there. Andrew Barry, um, you know, really got him going on. Like he, they want, he wants you to do everything, and so. That's part of that's part of that bigger picture. I think of having um, you know, a, a work environment that is, you know, player friendly. I guess we'll we'll call it, but it's it just feels more like 2022 and not 1992. Having even I, I mean I said pick 1992. That was when I was in early high school and football practice then was so much the old guard pre Corey Stringer collapsing on the field and water was denied, you know, as a form of punishment type of thing. We're obviously way past that in the NFL, even under Zimmer, like post 2011 CBA post lockout, a lot of practice relaxation rules uh, came into play. You know, the players got a fair amount of concessions in that as far as how many days off they're required to get and uh, reductions in two days and that type of thing. But Comparing the previous regime to this one, they targeted two replacements for the two guys that were dismissed that were very much in a, a hard turn away from just styles and, and philosophies and, and, frankly, age. Do you think about Jim Harbaugh at all? Like No. The, the candidates. I stopped thinking about him on February 2nd when – they decided not to offer him the job. Okay, but, but let's okay. Th- let's think about Jim Harbaugh for a second, though. Yeah, because you're absolutely right that the top story and the most interesting thing about this team is whether that all matters, right? And we're going to find that out. But I think about Ryan Poles and Jim Harbaugh sometimes. Sure. And I think about how close it was to being very different than that. Yeah. Because I don't get the sense that Ryan Poles is. I mean, he said, well, he likes analytics and stuff, but, but yeah. I mean, at this point, if you're not use if, if you're claiming your team isn't using data, you're just lying. Yeah, like, I mean, exactly. Of course, like teams in the NFL have always used 
everything at their disposal to win. And uh, maybe the head coach doesn't fully understand it, but the team is doing it, right? Yes. Ownership wants you to be doing it. And that has always been the case. I think it's always been moving forward in that way. So in 2022, Ryan Poles wouldn't say like, oh, what, you number nerds? Like, yeah. <laughs> you just wouldn't <laughs> right. hear that, right. right? You'd be probably fired yeah. pretty quickly. But uh, not as much of a person with a background of building models as Quasi yes. Adafo Mensa is capable of doing by himself. Uh, and right. he was even talking about how much he's leaned on the analytics department to help him out and to do studies and to give him answers on things, which he said clearly they weren't leaned on as much before. And they've made that comment to him. So it sort of gives you a tiny window into maybe yeah. maybe Rick Spielman used analytics, but not to the level that Quasi will. And then with Kevin O'Connell, you have a former player who is very obviously on the player's coach side. Yes. Like to the extreme, maybe the most player's coach yeah. or one of them in the league. And he comes from one of the most player's coaches right. in the league in Sean uh, McVay. But you almost had a very different yes. combination. I know. And I wonder what we would be looking at. It, like, would we have been looking at a full rebuild and building the team in Jim Harbaugh's vision? Would we have been looking at like something similar roster wise or would Ryan Poles have only taken the job if he could tear it down like he's done yeah. in Chicago? Like I think about that a lot, like how very different this scenario could look and feel than how it does now if the two second candidates had ended up getting hired. That's, that's a good point. I, I don't think about it nearly as much as you do, well, you but should, we're thinking Dave. about it now and it's a great topic. Um, Thank you. Yeah, because it's not like since those guys got significant enough consideration to be in the in those final conversations, it's not like the Wilfs and and the high level people who were part of the search just set out to we're gonna go find who fits this Kevin O'Connell box the best. That you know that that stuff developed over the time of the uh, of the conversations in the search process. So you're right; they all that you could very well argue that we could be covering and talking about a very different kind of vibe around here. I think that's a good segue into the the second thing I was going to bring up about what is interesting to me about this offseason is making those hires and then um, largely choosing to bring back the same team. Whereas sort of you um, not making the, the more aggressive teardown type moves that you could have made. I think what's interesting about that is they are so process oriented, which fits with that kind of modern way of doing a workplace mm -hmm. yep. beyond sports is, is that they, I think are kind of confident, um, very confident in that they can, um, take what's here and let's, let's apply our way of thinking our process to this current roster, which certainly is, plenty of talent to inherit right for a for new hire especially mm -hmm. a dual like both roles when those roles get blown out usually it, the team's four and twelve right like it right. was they you know they've they can certainly thank the previous regime on some level for like continuing to try to run it back run it back because right. they now they get you know a, a sort of baseline of a competitive level team um but they uh so that that's interesting. I, I feel like you're probably right. It, if it was the two other guys, better chance maybe that there's more different changes made to the roster. Either way, new guys come in with uh, a leash, and so that 
there's not that pressure to win now. Mm-hmm. So I, I, no way, shape, or form do I think the current guys are really uh, have presented this roster in a way like they're feeling heat from the the Wilfs that you you know you got to make the playoffs. I, mean, I don't I don't believe that. Yeah. But they well, have well, no this, pressure from yeah. them, but I think pressure from fans. Yeah, well, sure. Yeah, that's true. And, and, yeah. and us, like, where do we stand in that? Because yeah. for me, I, I guarantee you, knowing you for as long as I have, that we are in a different place on this. I think if they don't go deep in the playoffs, it's a massive failure. Oh, like, wow. That's that right. I knew you would say, wow. I mean, but because you decided to bring everyone back, your whole MO is essentially. It was the last guy's fault. Now you can do better because you fixed all those things. And for me, if you're going to make that your statement by what you do, then we shouldn't reset where we have the expectations from where it was when they signed Kirk Cousins. Like, I know things have changed, but when you're going to stay with the expensive quarterback and you're not going to move this thing in a future direction, as as, uh, is kind of the modern thought if you're not first, you're last, right? The Ricky Bobby. But like, if, if... you're going to bring it all back and you're going to say that it was the previous regime's fault for not being analytical enough, not being modern enough, not treating the players well enough, then I'm going to hold you to the same standard that we did the last regime. Yeah, that's that's the way I look at it. That's fair. I guess I would just call it a swing and a miss on, on this current roster. And then, then I assume if, if they don't make the playoffs, they'll start to, you'll start to see more changes to the, to the roster structure more of the older more expensive guys will be shown the door than more than this past off season but you know yeah i guess a failure in that they should all of a sudden be on the hot seat entering year two well or, so that's that's, mean, that's the that's the right. question right I, we, yeah. I could definitely agree that their their attempt at feeling a uh, a team in 2021 in that scenario uh you know like nine and eight you know Failed all for one, I guess. But with the question about when you hire a new regime, you know, you have to be able to uh, see it as a at least a three to five year project based on mm-hmm. how you know the NFL works. So can maybe I, longer. Can I exist in both worlds though? Like, I, can, well, sure. Can a, I exist in the world of not saying that I think if Kevin O'Connell misses the playoffs, he should be sent to the moon? Yeah. But also say that if if they started out their regime. And they got together, and this involves the Wilfs as well. We can't count them out of this equation. Right. But they got together and said, the answer is signing Zedaria Smith. The answer is keeping Daniel right. Hunter. The answer is keeping Harrison Smith. And then it doesn't get farther than it did before. And, of course, the yeah. biggest one, the answer is keeping Kirk Cousins. If that's what they all landed on as the right way to go, yeah. and it doesn't go farther, then what they've done is they've set themselves back on the process that might actually need to happen. Yeah. which is tearing a lot of pieces down, which doesn't mean tank, but it means like like really making moves that have the future in mind. And if you didn't make moves that have the future in mind then and you didn't get to the playoffs, then what did you do? Then you just stayed stagnant. So we have to, we have to like hold them to that standard, I think, because oh, sure. they didn't do things that would help them for the future. Go to sodastick.com. That is S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K, our loyal sponsor. Check out all of their great Minnesota-themed gear for your 
playoff run in hockey or for baseball season if you're headed out in the nice weather to a baseball game. That is S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K, sodastick.com, hats, t-shirts, hoodies if you need them for a cool evening in the summer. Sodastick.com has you covered. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What it was interesting to me that they decided to bring back so many of those expensive, accomplished players, given their cap situation and how the last couple of years have gone. You know, you're not coming off an NFC championship game appearance. On the other hand, I sit back and watch the the sort of bewilderment um, from the fan base and media and like why they decided to do that. And like, I don't know, it's not. It doesn't seem like so reckless to me. I guess the, the the most reckless part would be, to your point, you know, using up one year of their whatever kind of leash they've got to to build a winner, to build a, a Super Bowl contender in the eyes of ownership. That's, I guess, what's all that ultimately matters, how long that they're going to continue to keep them around. Uh, certainly, they set a precedent with the previous regime that they'll wait a while. <laughs> they'll oh, yeah. Patient, yeah, they waited right? a while. So... Yeah, I guess you could you could say it. It is the NFL, even even with patient owners, it's a it's a really uh, what have you done for me lately league for sure. It, it super high turnover. So yeah, I could I could look at that and say, yeah, you, you know, you're using up a, a precious year um, by doing it this way. But I also think like I don't know, still a lot of really good players. Uh, the NFC's not all that deep. Um, you know, you're not in the AFC West, for example. So I don't know. It doesn't seem to be such a, and I don't even necessarily think it's some big, you know, middle finger to the previous regime. Like we're smarter than you guys. I just think, eh, you know, they, here's what we, it's our first time in this. Here's uh, how we think things work or what would work well to build a a contending NFL team. And this is what we're going to try. And I don't know it, there could also be, especially with Quasi's um, perspective coming in as first timer. Even though he's he's from this um, economics based kind of data based um, decision making that supposedly removes emotion and you know tries to just be more logical about about things rather than um, potentially irrational like some moves we've seen in the past with haste yes. to like as the window maybe tightened on contending you know you would see certain kickers cut and then you know certain moves made brought in that clearly were sort of reeking of of emotion based yep. kind panic. of panic right um that said you know he who knows we 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 don't really know him well enough to 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 know like how he's personally affected by just the pressure of the job and so you almost get the sense that he was he was still kind of treading lightly like i don't know if i want to blow things up even if i you know i maybe it's better for me to just kind of do a soft launch here, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. And not necessarily thinking, Oh, I'm so much smarter than the re- the previous guy. I think we could get more out of these guys. Did you ever watch this again? It's going to age us, but like deal or no deal back in the day. 
<laughs> every once in a while. You know more, what it I'm is. more of a price, or, price is right oh, kind of sick day guy, but yeah, for um, sure. But deal or no deal for those younger in yeah. the generation, let old Matt explain here to you. <laughs> uh, but where you uh, open cases... And, you know, they might have X number of dollars in them. And then you yep. keep you keep going. And once you get past a certain threshold, you can lose everything if you keep going. Right. right. And I think all of us at home are like, open the next one. Open the next one. Yeah. But when you're really there right. and you've got $50,000, they're like, if you open the next one, you could lose everything or get 250000 Yeah. And a lot of people were just like, ah, yeah. you know, I'm going to walk away. There's some element to that in a lot of things in life, but like yep. especially with sports decisions, it's like Kirk is the ultimate player of keep the fifty thousand. Absolutely, right? yes, <laughs> yes. I you know you could lose everything. You and yeah. and think about it this way: if they had moved on from Kirk and drafted Kenny Pickett, the only first round quarterback, mm-hmm. and then if Kenny Pickett's hands are so tiny that he can't even hold an NFL football, I mean, immediately you are just out in the cold, or or some other quarterback is mad at his team and they trade him to you and then you look like geniuses, right? Like True. those outcomes can go in a couple of different directions. And what they did was they chose to do what I do on the golf course a lot and pull out the four iron and hit it down the fairway, knowing we won't be terrible in year one and then try to work around that, yeah. uh, which it's a lot easier when there isn't that pressure. And, and it isn't on your name on pro football reference, Kevin O'Connell, two and 14 right. or whatever, yeah, right? like yeah. two and 15. Right. Like it's a lot easier when it's not my name that goes on there. So I sympathize with yeah. that. Mm-hmm. But I also think that, a lot of sports teams are willing to do that. I, I heard Arthur Smith the other day, the coach of Atlanta, talking about how, oh, nobody tanks. You fools don't know what you're talking about. Like, well, first of all, an NFL owner tried to pay his coach to tank. Yeah. So, yes, they do. But also, it's I, I, almost, I feel like there's an extremes way of looking at this that didn't have to be looked at that way. Like, it doesn't, and it still doesn't necessarily. But it's like, it's either tank or stick. Oh with yeah. It. Well, that's like, society. That didn't have to be I mean, that that's, way. you know, social media fueled society. Uh, it's yeah. W- go hard one way or another. Everything is, everything's the most extreme. We overcorrect on everything. Mm-hmm. Ah, it's not this, it's this, you loser. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it, it, it's so much gray area in really where the reality lies in so much stuff, failure, success, you know, right. all that stuff. Right. Um, I think, uh, you mentioned the Arthur Smith comment. I think um, a, a large uh, percentage of NFL coaches and players would, would say exactly that. No way. Because we know how they think and work. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like the, the coaches on the worst team in the NFL, uh, even if they just got hired and they, they're not under pressure to, to feel like they're going to be fired in a year, they're still absolutely trying to like, yes. we're, we're doing this to try to win a Super Bowl. They're that the 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 ceiling on kind of how you the there there's the there's not a vision so much with NFL coaches and pre- players as there there would be in a front office and an ownership yep. it's so much the 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 gaze above the staff and above the roster is cast so much further out and and where yeah the uh, the tanking question could never really be honestly answered by a coach because of course like i i would believe that no, we're not trying to lose right. games of course not right yeah no you know no coach wants that on his pro football reference right. ledger and i would never ask one to like what yeah, they right. asked brian flores to do is ridiculous yeah if you want to tank hire joe judge or urban meyer 
don't hire someone that might be competent. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and don't and don't sign Ryan Fitzpatrick because he's going to win you a handful of games. Yeah. If you were going to tank the way that Miami did, but uh, Atlanta is doing the competitive rebuild. The Vikings are not doing a competitive rebuild. They're doing no, a it, competitive, but we know we probably can't win the Super Bowl. It's not a. Yeah. There's nothing rebuildy about it. No. But but with Atlanta, there really is because you traded Matt Ryan and right. you're going with a competitive quarterback who's not actually really any good that isn't going to get you very far. Yeah. But you're rebuilding a lot of other parts. And that will be interesting to me to see the two teams that I'm looking at most. Because I think <laughs> Seattle doesn't really know what they're doing. I mean, they're drafting running backs still. Like, the, they have no quarterback and they're like, Kenneth Walker. <laughs> Come on, guys. You're still yeah. doing this. But Atlanta, I think it has some smart elements to their team. And Chicago, two teams that said, nope, we're just opting out of competing this year. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> right. And whether they get farther than the Vikings in the next few years by doing that, yeah. because it doesn't have to be 10 year rebuilds. But I did want to, I did want to change a direction a little bit on you and ask what interests you about the actual roster. Because to me though, if we're ranking like, what are the storylines of the Minnesota Vikings 2022 before they step on the field? Number one is what we just talked about. And I think it's by far like Quasi O'Connell, their direction, mm -hmm. how they chose to do things this off season and whether it's going to work. But the minutia of the roster is also very interesting to our listeners. <laughs> I mean, this is the right guard competition center of the universe. But I, I want to know from a roster perspective, like, you know, again, with OTAs, we're just kind of existing out there, like well, looking around yeah. and stuff. But, oh, they got a new TV. <laughs> yes. Look at that apparatus it's, it's, they it's brought It's very in, large. Right? It is very large. Very distracting. Yeah. Uh, you make a joke about right guard, but I... And, in honest, in all honesty, I am sort of intrigued by that. Uh, a because they have, you know, failed uh, repeatedly to find a right guard who can last more than one season and play at a, you know, league average or above level. Um, but B the sheer volume of how many guys they brought in as potential new starters there. It's yep. almost like the whole. Um, you know, you can never have enough starting pitching or Zimmer's joke. You can never have enough corners. Now they literally said this off season, you cannot have enough right guards. Right. And, um, which I haven't given them enough credit for, by the way. Uh, true. Like, right. Because the, they didn't do this before. It they was didn't. Like, it wasn't Tom enough Compton, folks. Exactly. There was not nearly enough. And they, so we're, we're going to draft a new guy. We've got a hole over, uh, mid middle of the road draft pick. And we was literally signed three new veterans with starting experience. Like that's, that's a, yeah, that that's a, seems like smartest way to do it if you weren't going to get in on the the bidding for whatever the you know that the top tier free agent that might have been available uh, back in March. So this is going to be I mean this will be the hardest core football question I ask to you, but I mean do you think the offensive line's going to be decent? Yeah? No. Sure. You think so? Well, yeah. what is decent? I mean, well, okay. What is decent? What I, I mean by decent is the this is How a many? great this is a great thing about having metrics in yeah. 2022 is we can actually talk about an offensive line in this way. True. Like the Vikings under Mike Zimmer's entire era, I believe only ranked even close to the middle in in pass blocking one time and it was 2017. Right. And that's it. Yeah. And every other year it's been bottom 20 25 to 32 somewhere in there with the pass blocking. Decent means 16th in pass blocking. Like, I don't expect sure. them to be number one, but can you be in the middle? And we've been saying, can you be in the middle since 2018? And they just have not. Yeah, I would say, yeah, because uh, I think scheme change and maybe a new right guard 
Uh, that's where a lot of the pressure came from, right? You know, the last few years. Um, and center. Center, too, which they haven't figured out yet. But, um, you know, getting one of those locked down ought to help. Who knows if who knows if they have on the roster the guy can do that. We don't know. But I, I would say scheme change and philosophy change about when to throw the ball, I think, can go a long way into that, right? Like, you know, I don't know how many times. I have never I have not listened to every single one of your episodes. It's a big mistake. I apologize for that. However, I'm sure you've talked a few times about how much Mike Zimmer wanted to run the ball and told his offensive coordinators to run the ball more. It's come off. And that may or may not have <laughs> led to some of the pass uh, protection issues that when you got to third and mm-hmm. seven and teams could kind of pin their ears back, so to speak. Yeah. No, that's a real thing. Right? That is a real thing for sure. Uh, and I think that someone like Garrett Bradbury was particularly abused on that. Yes. And that is one thing I do come back to. And, and this is not to say that Tom Compton was actually good or, or anything like that. But – now I even there is a little bit of a um you know is it the what is the chicken and the egg issue here yep. because I looked back at Kirk Cousins and where pressure has come from in in his career even when Washington had good offensive lines the higher percentages came from the center and guards okay and I think that that's due to immobility yeah right like that he's or, yeah unwillingness too yeah right. <laughs> or what it, and he isn't even a shuffler like he's no, not even yes, a I'm exactly. gonna move this way or that way no. And they've really actually had for his entire era good tackles. Right. And it's never been good in the middle. So there is a part of me that says, I like the way that you got a bunch of human beings to potentially play guard, but maybe you needed better ones and you spent your money on defense and then sticking with one of, if not the worst pass blocking center in the league, thinking that your scheme will fix that. Yeah. When even going back to Washington, the higher percentage of his pressure was coming from up the middle. I think it's a quarterback issue as much as it is a scheme issue. Oh, it is. And trying uh, to avoid sure. it situationally is a plan, though. Yeah. I I guess I think I saw he he had the pass protection and the and the you know, lack of ability to avoid sacks was became such a glaring problem in 2018. Yeah. I think when when you saw the the shift to the the Kubiak offense in 19 you saw some. There was more. There was improvement in in that, and then being able to find a little bit more of rhythm passing, and he took fewer sacks, and yeah. um, that fit his skill set more than what they tried to do with him at the beginning. So I'm, yeah, I'm sort of banking on, or you know, I think reasonably expecting O'Connell and bringing some of the things the Rams did well. Um, Remember that you know pre, they did some of those things well predating Stafford too, like with Jared Goff, and mm-hmm. so um, it's not like um, it's going to be a situation where well, uh, no matter how much how much people would think uh, Stafford would outrank Cousins on the one through thirty two quarterback tier, it's not necessarily this thing where well they did it with Tom Brady now they're going to try to make you know Davis Mills do it. It's not you know <laughs> right, right? Right. I, I I do think. Um, there's enough, um, enough there with good tackles and um, philosophical. I want to say I think philosophical change um, can go further in in making this a quote unquote decent offensive line, like middle of the pack type thing, 
than as much as you know then like we've got this super smart new scheme and and or better blockers so what are your extremes on the offense uh between how good they could be or how it could all not work like i mean yeah because the way i look at it is i'll I'll give you mine and then you tell me if you think that i'm off here I think that they can be somewhere between 12th and 16th. Like, even if it doesn't go really super well, 16th is probably still going to happen. Like, it, it's not going to be worse than Filippo was, where they were, I think, 18th or 19th in scoring. But I also don't think that it's going to do the thing that they needed to do, which is to accelerate it to being, like, top eight. I, <laughs> I have a tough time with that. Because also, when we talk about these things, like you have to look at the other teams in the league. Like, oh, yeah, there are teams in the league that are going to put up 500 points. And I don't know that this offense is going to be able to do that. Right. So even if you finish 12th, you can make the playoffs. But higher than that, I kind of need to see it first before someone who didn't call plays first time head coach. Yeah. Implementing a new offense to just snap the fingers and go, no, 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 I, you know, I'm going to outperform what Stefanski did, what Kubiak did and get them much higher than they were last year. I, I don't know that I can predict that. Yeah, the, I'm not. I'm definitely not immediately disagreeing. I mean, I feel like, you know, if all the high scoring teams are in the AFC, then it doesn't really that doesn't matter as much, right? Like as far as you're talking about how you might rank in the league. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, which could very well be the case, right? If you look at well, where yes the quarterbacks no. have landed there. I but, mean, every team that's made the Super Bowl has been in the top seven in well, scoring. So yeah, like not a surprise. No, no, no. But that's sort of the price to get there if yeah. you're going to be a real contending team. Yeah, and I don't see this roster as the team that has a few doors to open and get to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. But I, I'll, I, I would say, I, I guess I could, I think, I, I think the ceiling for the offense is higher than what you do, but what you just say. I yeah. would say more like you know, top six to eight would be like potential. And scoring that that would and mean i mean if they were could to be, definitely see 16 like yeah. if if they don't get this you know the guard situation figured out and there's, there's going to be an injury here and there and um you know if if the the first time play caller like you said is still kind of feeling things out it doesn't mm-hmm. quite come as successfully as might come for somebody else who knows that kind of thing mm-hmm. definitely could see you know some some struggles some games like we've seen in recent years, we, we you know, we know that, you know, Cousins' limitations. So it's pretty much a, a guarantee that those will show up in a couple of games. And it'll be those, that game that you, I've seen this movie before. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I don't know. I, yeah, I guess I think with him, so much of it's comfort and, um, you know, I, he'll th- never be able to change, uh, you can't ever really change your your shortcomings so much. You can practice them. You can address them, you know, like in any sport or anything in life. But you know, I do think the the strengths of his have potential to go to to get stronger. Yes, with this kind of another system, the type of coaches he should be comfortable with, because mm-hmm. that, that that's a huge for him. He not just from a protection standpoint in a tangible way on a given play, but in the, the whole environment, right? Yeah. He's, he's wants every, he needs everything to be kind of 
um, calm and kind of, he wants, you know, he, he's a studier and he, you know, the environment is, is mm-hmm. very important to his success. So that, that part is interesting to me because like Mike Zimmer clearly did not make that environment comfortable. No. And yet like player of the month, a couple times. And, uh, right. And, you know what I mean? Yeah. And yet, right. Like, and yet, so does that mean there's stretches. more there or does that mean it didn't affect him as much as we think? Yeah. That's the question. question that you'll have to answer on another podcast. Probably right. well, how, you won't be able to answer. How but. much did Mike Zimmer actually impact him when he mostly yeah, wasn't I'm, involved with the offense until he was mad they weren't running enough. Like that's another question to ask as well. I agree. And I, and back to that question, I would say, yes, I think, I think he succeeded uh, largely when he succeeded kind of in spite of mm-hmm. that. I don't know how much that having the perfect environment could have like how many, how many more wins would they have over cousins first four years? If it was just a coach he, he meshed with I, maybe one, I don't yeah. know. Just toss that out. But I don't think, I also think there's still, there is still room um, for him to, to make strides with some of the, way they simply go about offense with without a head coach basically breathing down the right. offense coordinator's neck to say run the ball more. So I think that the one area where that could be different is when things went badly. When things went badly for Mike Zimmer, he made them worse. Yeah. And when right. Kirk Cousins played badly, Mike Zimmer took it very personally and right. he looked at Cousins as every corner he couldn't have in free agency. Like mm-hmm. and and he blamed mm-hmm. him, which the quarterback it's so funny how coaches will say, Oh, you guys, you blame the quarterback too much and stuff. And they're like, you do too though. (laughs) Right. So uh, I think that when things started to go sideways with cousins and when you look at the numbers, it kind of suggests this, that it would just keep going that way, that it wasn't like, Oh, there's a bad game, but next week it'll be fine. It was, it's four bad games or it's three out of four or something like that. And that would happen a lot. I don't know that this changes that because that's kind of who he is, mm-hmm. but we've also seen him with Zimmer for so long. It's like, does, does Zimmer's environment impact him feeling like he has to do too much or feel like there's too much pressure or whatever it is? Or is this just who the man is like any baseball player who hits 250, 400 and 100 months, and then they come out at 250, right? Right. So it's, that is such an interesting conundrum. I just put the ceiling based on who the quarterback is and what he's done in his, his career with many different people and many different offenses as being in that like fringe top 10 because it's just hard to see something else. Not impossible. True. It, I think it's just hard to see like something being so vastly different. If it is, then, the, then they'll have a chance to go deep in the playoffs like we were talking about. I mean, if they right. have the sixth best offense, then you can go deep in the playoffs with that. But they, but they have already ranked in scoring, uh, correct? At least once. They with were him. eighth. Eighth is the only yeah the yeah, only time eighth. in his career yeah. they were eighth with Stefanski in, in scoring. Nineteen. Nineteen. Yeah. yeah. They also had like a really super easy schedule that year. But yeah. Yes, right. yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's fair too. Yeah. Um, what do you think of the schedule this year for their chances? That's a that's a good question. I think that if the quarterbacks who are who need to take a step forward take a step forward. It's a very hard schedule. Yep. If they don't, it's a very easy schedule. (laughs) Like Zach Wilson. Yeah. Right. By the time you get to Zach Wilson, he might be Steve young or he might be Josh Rosen. Like we don't even know. And uh, I I saw today 12% of Zach Wilson's passes were dropped last year. Like Mm. that's a, that's insanity. 
to have that many dropped five percent for Kirk. Like that's a usual numbers about five, right. five to seven percent. So this guy was having passes dropped. His coach was new. He wasn't ready to play like, so, like all those things like Justin Fields might be better. Even yeah. if Chicago as a team is worse, but that's going to make them more of a contender. Yep. Um, there's a lot of those situations. Miami has a new coach like that I think are very hard to predict, but there's also like some good defenses. Philadelphia, I think will probably have an improved defense and an improved offense. And, um, you know, New Orleans has a pretty good defense. They do. Like that's it's usually not the opposing offense that's necessarily the issue with the no. Vikings. It's if the other team has a good defense, you lose. Has been the case pretty much the whole time Cousins has been here. And there's no predicting which ones of these teams will have good defenses. No, yeah, right. that that changes pretty often by week twelve. Like, oh yeah, knows? yeah. Uh, I have a wrap up question for you. It's actually a tweet. So uh, wrap up tweet. I, yes, a wrap up tweet. So we tweeted this out the other day on the Purple Insider account. Had Tyler done on the episode yesterday? Pick one. Okay. If you could do Vikings fans a favor, say uh, give them a Christmas present, and undo one of these things on the list for them. And uh, I read the list yesterday, but it's not trading Fran Tarkenton, Drew Pearson not pushing off, uh, not trading Herschel Walker, Gary Anderson making the kick, Randy Moss not getting traded, Dante not getting hurt, Brett Favre not throwing the interception, Blair Walsh not missing the kick, or Teddy's knee being fine. If you could give the Vikings fans the biggest Christmas present you ever gave them. One of the which nine. one of those would you pick? I, I, I picked Dante because they wow. have Okay. Because they haven't had a franchise quarterback since yeah. Fran, and I thought, yeah, I know some of those outcomes put you in the Super Bowl, which is hard to defeat for a pick. Right. But a franchise quarterback of that level for 15 years would have been something that gives you multiple chances to potentially win a Super Bowl. So that's why I picked Dante. That's fair. Plus, he was so exciting for the league. Like, he that's was. another part of it. He was. Um, even if he doesn't get hurt, though, there's other factors that could have come into play, and he just may have. That is His true. Performance may have may or may not have declined, that but I'm true. not going to hold you to that technicality. I I will go with Favre doesn't throw the INT in 09 against the Saints. A very close runner up to Gary makes the kick in 98. Yeah. So you're sending For, them to the Super Bowl. It's, yeah, I, I it's am. Hard, it's hard not to pick those. And I go with 09 if you're asking for a blanket sort of gift to the fan base. More um, more of them. Were enough of the, more of them would be old enough to have appreciated that there are some probably uh, college age kids right now who don't remember ninety eight. Right. right. Well, you so, know, back in ninety eight. Yeah, you've got to be a certain certain age to have a Viking fan to have felt that gut punch. The other reason I would pick the far one is because it was it was the far year. Right. right? Yeah. They, yeah. They. I mean, that's one of the that's one of the most fascinating compelling stories in in football history mm-hmm. that like the the arch rival hall of fame quarterback switches comes to the team and has the best statistical season of his of his career yeah just statistically yeah. yeah and he was 40 and and they they lost the game on like that with the 12th man in the huddle and and the the sort of predictable but not predictable interception like that. I, that's the one I would pick. I also think they that team had a better chance of winning the Super Bowl against yeah. the Colts than the Vikings would have in 98 against the Broncos. Broncos were insanely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think so, too. I think it also makes it harder that the Saints won the Super Bowl. 
Like for like yep. the like Atlanta lost. Exactly. And so you went like, I don't know, man. Don't yeah, know, that's man. like, well, at least they, also, they lost. They also had a bunch of guys get hurt in that game. Mm-hmm. A couple ACLs, I believe Ed McDaniel and maybe even John Rand. Like there were some key guys who probably wouldn't have played in the Super Bowl, yeah. which made it would have made it harder. Yeah. Uh and Favre versus Manning in the Super Bowl. I mean yeah. just just insane. So I I mean I think that there's there's ones on that list that are long term plays. That are like, if you don't trade Herschel Walker, we don't know who you pick, but yeah, you know, that's, you that's get, definitely yeah. intriguing to think about because you basically handed the Cowboys a couple of Super Bowls with that trade. <laughs> right. So, right. Well, whoops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> things happen, I guess. Uh, so there's a lot on that list, and I, you know, feel free. I mean, a lot of people tweeted their responses and stuff, and so it was a great conversation. Cool. But uh, I figured uh, we could wrap on that. But always great to catch up with you, Dave. It's always fun. Always to, nice to be on to chat. Hope you enjoyed the uh, sidewinding and uh, unpredictable conversation. It's always that way. It's always that no way. No show That's prep. That's what makes it the best. No yeah, show prep. No show prep sometimes is required. I mean, if our show prep... See, this is the thing that we could have done. We could have been like, Daniil Hunter was lining up on the right side. Wait, are we allowed to say that? Yeah, I th- yeah, think right. so. Uh, Daniil Hunter was lining up on the right side and the left side. Let's break it down. <laughs> like, <laughs> Bring some PFF maybe, data into yeah, the... Maybe yeah. people like that. Uh, anyway, know. so... Great conversation, Dave, and uh, we'll uh, we'll talk soon, man. Sounds like a plan. Football.